0: You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hey everyone, Matt from Occupier here. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to another episode of The Fully Occupied Podcast. If you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe on your favorite listening platform. Or just shoot us a note at marketing at occupier.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on future guests, topics you'd like to hear about. Ask us any questions you have, or just say hi. Enjoy the show. Kevin, welcome to the Fully Occupied Show.
1: Nice to be here. Thanks for having me, Matt.
0: Cool. We got Kevin Luz. he's the uh, co founder and COO of Crowd Comfort, a uh, Boston based uh, prop tech company. And uh, I guess for our audience, Kevin, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Tell, tell us about yourself, your background, how you got into this business, what your company does, you know, the, the whole skinny.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thanks for the intro there. Crowd Comfort, Boston-based uh, tech company, and we're all about leveraging modern mobile technology to create healthier, safer, and more responsive workplaces, so been around about uh, eight years now. Currently working with over twenty-five Fortune five organizations, again helping them create those, uh, you know, responsive workplaces. So, yeah, as you know, it's been a crazy couple of years here, you know, during that pandemic, and and from our perspective, what we've seen, and I think this is what we're going to talk about today, is uh, pandemic was kind of really accelerated the adoption of prop tech, real estate tech, and really kind of transformed the way we think about and use the workplace. So. Again that's where we kind of come in with our mobile platform to uh, facilitate you know a more productive reentry uh, as we get back to work get back to the office here
0: yeah I mean you know you and I have known each other for years now but I found it fascinating kind of how you guys navigated the pandemic but let's get into that in a minute what what was the original business idea behind crowd comfort and, and you use the term mobile first so if I had to try to describe it like what would it what would it have been back in you know 2014? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So if you go way back when, and this is where the name comes from, uh, Crowd Comfort was actually, you know, the idea was conceived at a hackathon. Um, I don't even think they do hackathons anymore. Have you heard of hackathons? Which is a
0: shame. I, everybody should do hackathons.
1: It was like a cool thing back in the day, but like <laughs> it's where you get a couple hundred people into a room. Uh, no one sleeps for like 48 hours. And there's generally a theme. The theme for this one was how do you leverage data to better manage buildings? And, you know, it was like 2013, 2014. So, you know, There weren't really that many authentically mobile approaches. So our original concept was just kind of something fun where it was like, you know, if we could deploy an app to everybody in a workplace, and they could easily report if they were hot or cold, um, you could, you know, create a visualization and identify efficiency opportunities. So when we first started the company it was a clean tech play. And we ended up winning the hackathon. And we weren't going to do anything with the idea, but then we got invited to present at a couple other events. And just through those events, some large local companies here saw what we were doing, reached out and wanted to learn more. You know, gave us the momentum and traction, if you will, to go out, raise a little bit of capital, hire a small team and uh, take it from there. So very, very quickly, the feedback was from, from the clients and prospects we were talking to, you know, hey, it's great. We can get this comfort data, but there's more interesting data we'd like to get related to all types of workplace experience, maintenance, health, safety, IT, coffee, furniture, all of these things we all encounter in the workplace and typically don't know who to tell or how to report it. That unlocked that opportunity for us. So it became a single unified mobile interface to submit a request that works within the ecosystem of solutions out there was the original concept and how it evolved the first couple of years.
0: Yeah. So your first couple of customers were you know, buying into the platform and then putting the mobile app in the hands of the actual like employees, right? Like the occupants of yep. the space and, and you could log things on there. Anything from, Hey, you know, we're out of coffee on the ninth floor to, you know, my office is like freezing. Can you please warm it up? Or the floor needs to be cleaned over. I mean, it could, you could basically think about like anything that happens within the four walls of an office are data points that, you know, people want to know about, right?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think until recently the real estate space was a laggard in technology adoption. Right. And and in a lot of cases, especially with large enterprises, it still is. And that's why, you know, our two companies exist. Um, and, and I know I'm, you know, preaching to the choir here, but if you look at how these enterprises operate, like it's still largely on legacy architecture, right? Like these older, like really clunky, really complicated, really expensive systems, and you need one of those for each function so if you go to one of you know our large clients before crowd comfort it was like you know you have one system for fm you have an 800 number for A V, you have another system for it and then you have something else for safety and so if you're an employee you go to the workplace and you encounter an issue like you don't know what to do yeah so like getting the, default,
0: the getting the screen to work in a conference room or something yeah,
1: like, yeah.
0: Uh, you're not going to call an 800 number <laughs> you're going to try to figure Correct. it out on your own
1: yeah And then, so your default is just to do nothing. And that creates a poor workplace experience and things fester and create larger, you know, more expensive issues down the line. So that's one of the key problems that, you know, we help solve by, again, that single unified interface that plugs plug and plays into all those other systems of record, which then comes back to like our core, you know, three pillars I always talk about. It's like a better employee experience, more automated workflows and better data.
0: Got it. You're connecting the mobile via an API to other systems to either ingest or, or spit out data.
1: Yeah, we facilitate integrations. I mean, I would like to say a lot of these legacy systems have open APIs, but it's yeah. typically not the case. So, you know, we we, we figure it out though, and a couple different approaches make
0: that work. Uh, yeah, going back to what you said about uh, the real estate industry traditionally being like a technology laggard. and And you're saying that's not the case right now. Why do do you think that is?
1: Well, again, I think uh, the pandemic, what we saw and what our clients, you know, experienced is that, you know, it was an opportunity to rethink real estate um, and how you manage that and also rethink the employee experience. And so, you know, hybrid is here to stay, uh, but everyone started looking to technology to kind of help facilitate a productive and positive experience in these workplaces. And so it was kind of a need because we're entering a new era of the workplace, but it was also a great opportunity to try some of these new things because there was no one in the building. So the risk was a little lower.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um,
1: the opportunity was a little bigger from the real estate or facility leadership perspective.
0: Yeah, I of imagine when everybody sent everyone home, there must've been this oh shit moment where you're like, oh, we need people in the buildings to be using the app and that yep. means these companies are no longer going to need to rely on it, which, Oh God, that's not good for our business. But in actuality, it was like, it almost opened up a whole canvas of opportunities for you guys to think about what was most or learn about like what was most important to your customers. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, for us, we had that kind of, we kind of had that oh shit moment as well. Right. Where like oh, no one's in buildings, like how, how is our business model operate in that environment? And There are two takeaways for us one is that a lot of organizations they still had people in the buildings especially you're talking about pharmaceutical companies uh manufacturing like they still have people in there right and now all of a sudden the stakes are higher that you want people to feel safe and feel like they're part of a responsive workplace um so a lot of our companies you know still embraced our app throughout the pandemic but you know we also had to go back to the drawing board and you know ask these clients say hey we recognize not everyone's in the office anymore you know, how can someone like Crowd Comfort continue to add value? And, you know, the feedback was that we already grabbed this categorical data and we grab this location data of users. Can we kind of flip the script and put our app in the hands of janitorial staff? Because janitorial services are, you know, rose up the priority list, right? And so we did that essentially creating a new module for our offering. And that was a huge driver of growth for us. So, um, you know, I know I'm, I'm talking a lot here, but essentially we digitize the, the clipboard on the back of the restroom door that everyone is familiar oh with. Yeah.
0: What time did this bathroom once you, get cleaned? Once you
1: digitize that. Yeah. 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 And once you digitize that data, you're really driving transparency, accountability, and cost savings. Like there's all this other stuff you can do with it. So, you know, we tapped into something where if you're an organization who is spending tens of millions of dollars on janitorial every year like we can help move that needle, just a couple percentage points. It's a pretty compelling ROI. So again, that was a big driver of growth for us. We, you know, we doubled our business and we're looking to double again this year. So
0: that's amazing. Um, yeah. I got to imagine there's also kind of like another side of that market, which is the actual janitorial service providers themselves, right? Like they could now use your um, yeah. technology as a tool to say, look how more efficient we can be with our services to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we have 10 formal partnerships kind of uh, across the U.S. right now, working with those partners uh, to bring these services and this technology to their clients. Because, you know, it's not it's not for everybody. Right. Like it's a really new and different approach. It's kind of radical transparency, if you will. But the forward thinking partners get it right. This is where the world is going. Um, It's a way for them to differentiate their services, um, potentially generate new revenue streams and just better manage their own people.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we have the analog kind of value proposition for brokers who use our software and they use it on behalf of clients. And, you know, the ones that think about how they're going to be competitive in the future are the ones that are like, okay, I'm going to find technology as the backbone of, of, of my service offering and deploy it for my clients. So I think you're right in the sense that like prop tech or, or commercial real estate is no longer a laggard because eventually the laggard's kind of just burn off out of the system and you have everybody who's now thinking tech forward, which sounds yeah. like so cliche because we've been talking about prop tech for like a decade, but it's finally, it's, it's kind of, the engine is like, I think really been accelerated over these last two years because of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no like manual old school process or solution that can accommodate like, I don't know the, the new, the new culture, the new world that we're living in when it comes to workplace, right? Like, you know, it, all of a sudden overnight, essentially, complexity has doubled or tripled. And you're, you're not going to solve that with those old processes. So it, it, this is where bringing new tech, new approaches into this, again, drive experience, drive efficiency, drive productivity. Um, so I think it's, it's a super interesting time to be in our space right now with prop tech, real estate tech, whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah. You mentioned um, at the top of the show that you work with Was it 25 of the Fortune 50 companies or something like that? It was some incredible stat.
1: Yeah, over over 25 now, I think closer to 30.
0: That's awesome. So that means you are dealing with some of the largest companies on earth, which also, I would assume you have some general knowledge of how they're thinking about the future of the workplace, because you also said that hybrid's here to stay. You said that pretty emphatically. And, oh, yeah. and it's just definitely one of these things where it's always debated on LinkedIn and Twitter or whatever about like you know the workplace. Are we are we going back to the office? Are we not? Headlines are always about you know J.P. Morgan and big companies saying what they're doing. But like, yeah, since you're kind of in the in the weeds with it, like, what's your take?
1: Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I know there's a debate, but I, in my perspective has been it's unanimous at this point, uh, almost unanimous. Like ninety eight percent of all the companies we're working with you know, employees, the, the new policy is two to three days a week. And it's interesting because a lot of these have already started bringing people back. And the feedback is that's even too much for some people. So yeah. the office is always going to be important. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think it's a critical, critical asset for any company to have, and it's going to continue to be used. It's going to be just used differently at different frequencies. And again, that that makes it that much more complex, right? When it comes down to safety, when it comes down to providing services for your employees, like. You know, you have to figure out a way to get a pretty accurate prediction of who's coming in tomorrow so that you can provide the appropriate food services, right? You're not throwing out 700 hot dogs, you know?
0: <laughs> that wouldn't go and, in, the, in the wellness category, but we'll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: another day, another topic. So, you know, and then like, you know, how many janitorial staff do you need? How many facilities people do you need, right? All of these things you didn't really have to think about pre-pandemic and now it's all part of the equation.
0: Yeah. You just had an office. You expected people to go in. If they were working, they were in the office, which means you had these kind of like, you know, pretty predictable expenses because of that. Now it's like, well, we have people all over the place. Some of them want to work in a co-working space. Some of them want to work from their basement. Some people want to commute every day. And how do you accommodate all those different personas, you know, with with technology as kind of the backbone of doing that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think the people, you know, the organizations that are going to win and attract and retain the top talent are gonna be the ones, you know, who enable their employees to, to work anywhere, you know, when they want, how they want, right? And, you know, I think I think you and I are, are living through this right now. Like we're both in WeWorks because we want flexibility, <laughs> right? And, and I don't know about you, but I love it. When I'm on the road now, like it's, it's, it's amazing to have a WeWork in pretty much every city I go to. I guess this is a, a WeWork plug here, but like, it's just it's just so easy because I can just like hop, they have at least three offices. I was just in yeah. Chicago last week and like you I go to there. Right? And, yeah, have an office. Don't have to worry about Wi-Fi, coffee, you know, amenities, printing, all that stuff. It's just super convenient. I will say the one caveat to everything I'm saying is obviously if you look, it, it kind of by by segment, right? Because I'm talking large about corporate office, but you know, obviously, you know, pharma, biotech, you need people in labs, um, and then manufacturing, you need people on site. Um, so all these all these kind of takeaways that I'm, I'm speaking to are really about the corporate office um, yeah. market.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what gets the most headlines, even though yeah. I'm sure the vast majority of the American workforce is going and working in small retailers or warehouses and stuff like that. Right. Like it's, yeah. it's kind of a little bit of a misnomer, even topic to begin with, but it's a yep. big one and it affects yeah. our lives for sure. But you personally speaking, I mean, you're in the office. I, I know you pretty well. It seems like most of the time you'd like to be in the office, like around your team, um, you're hitting the road, you're, you're seeing you know customers, et cetera. One of my arguments, even from the beginning of the pandemic, was like the the pandemic didn't necessarily like change the way people worked. It just kind of like accelerated this acceptance of kind of like the personal workspace. Like, yeah, I was a sales rep before starting this company and I was on the road constantly. And so I I was just used to working, quote unquote, hybrid. Right. I would go into the office when I was in in town. Maybe some days I'd work from home for the half a day and then catch a flight in the afternoon. It was just kind of like the way you worked. And yeah people are just like going nuts about like the fact that that's the way people work. And my argument was always like, yeah, but a lot of the workforce that went to offices worked like that anyways. Now they just have like the opportunity to say, I want to work like this. And corporate America has to kind of like respond to that. Yeah. I don't know what your take is on that, but it sounds like we're somewhat aligned.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think you're right. Like you talk to any sales guy or or saleswoman and uh, you know, the response is I've been working remote. I've been working hybrid for like the last two decades. Right. So it's not new to a lot of people, but it is new to like a certain part of the workforce. Um, And I think the pandemic like kind of opened their eyes to the benefits um, or challenges of working at home or remote. You know for me i love i like coming in the office um just because i i have a lot going on at the house with kids and dogs and like it's not the most <laughs> like peaceful like focus environment um but yeah i have a few different places that i work throughout the week um this being the main one here
0: cool um when you when you think about kind of your competitive landscape are you playing in like the traditional like tenant experience app space are you competing against like facilities management systems or because it sounds like what you guys have done is especially during that pivot to the janitorial kind of business model in the pandemic is that you've you've almost kind of like webbed yourself across all of those things to some extent and yeah are 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 less of like hey we're going to do this so that you can maximize the value of your asset or so that you could only like maximize the experience of your tenants but it's also like up it to, to this corporate level too. So like, where do you compete? Like, how, how are you guys usually stacking up against like all these other like considerations that a company might have?
1: Yeah, I think um, it's, it's a great question. And it's one that, you know, continues to evolve um, for us. You know, like, like a lot of organizations, you start as a point solution. Um, you have a beachhead market, you build out the product, it evolves. You get more clients and you, you work with those clients to continue to improve and, and build out your product until you essentially have more of a platform, right? We do We do kind of have our own space, uh, almost your own category, if you will. And, and the reason is because our approach from day one is, is to be not just mobile first, but I would say almost ecosystem first. So like we built our solution to work within that ecosystem, right? We weren't just focused on a, you know, crowd comfort, the product we can build and the cro- product we can sell as a standalone. It was really like, what can we build and what can we bring to market that will add value to the client, but works with everything else they have. Because people don't want to sit there and just swap out technologies every, you know, few years. Um, so what we did is we created something that works across all of those, right? And, and it fills a gap that they all have, which is that that mobile component, um, that experience layer for the employees, but also, you know, the, the management layer and the analytics to go along with it. And so we we kind of that's kind of where we sit in the market today. And, uh, you know, there's, there's this ongoing, when you think about tenant experience or employee experience, whatever, there's like the spectrum of, of solutions out there. Right. And on one end, you have, um, the, the single kind of point solutions, um, that are really good at one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be room booking. It could be space utilization things like that. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have like a more holistic, holistic employee experience app. And, you know, I, I don't think. So there's not a perfect option um, right now if you're like a head of real estate trying to figure this out because on the platform side, like if we're being honest, they're trying to do too much and so it ends up being a really watered down experience. Um, and I don't think anyone's figured that out yet. On the other end of the spectrum, you do have a lot of good point solutions, but you know these, you know, the executive leadership is starting to say, "Hey, I don't want my employees downloading you know 10, 20 apps on their phone." Yeah. So, you know, the ideal solution is, again, I think somebody who takes an ecosystem first approach and fills that shell that can then start to take those best in breed point solutions and bring them together. And this is already happening. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys have partners, you know, both informally, formally, and, and partners you might be starting to integrate into. We're doing the same thing. You know, we just have a couple relationships we're built. we're building. I know they're formalized. I'm not sure if they're publicly available yet, but like, we're doing things where we're starting to work with these other point solutions so that we can go to market and say, look, like you're getting that, that kind of ideal product offering that you're looking for where best in breed point solutions kind of under one roof. Um, that's kind of always how we've operated, but now it's coming to fruition as more point solutions emerge and, and come to market with open architecture and the appropriate APIs. So. Yeah,
0: that's, that's a really good strategy because... I mean, it, can, it prevents you from having to like build everything under the sun and then becoming like another watered down like IWMS system that, you know, takes years to implement and, you know, has watered down modules across the board.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, again, if you look at, and i am kind of being talking about the generic employee experience marketplace, like, I, I don't know, there's not really any, any real winners. And I think that's the, the reason why, I mean, if you look at your own Uh, You know, mobile device today, you don't have an app that does everything. There's a reason for that because, like, no one would use it. You have, like, specific apps when I need a ride or when I need food or when I want to, like, you know, turn on my security system. Like, you know, that this is the world we live in. And and I feel like the enterprise market is always like a decade or two behind, but I think that's where it's going to go. So it's providing that experience with the enterprise infrastructure from security and kind of expectation um, or requirements framework, if you will.
0: Yeah. So if you're selling into these kind of like um, heads of real estate for these Fortune 50 companies, like there's got to be a consistent top three metrics that they like to look at when they're like reporting up to their CFO or or, or their executive leadership. Is that an accurate statement or... Is, are you yeah. able? Are you able to kind of allow them to kind of customize what they see based on their business needs and, and their like the uniqueness of their operations?
1: Yeah. Again, I think that this kind of goes hand in hand with like the ecosystem first approach. Is that you know configurability is key. Like every organization operates differently. They they you know there's some overlap between KPIs and and benchmarks that they're looking at, but honestly, they they all have their own unique culture. Uh, you know people and processes. So how we built crowd comfort is with configurability in mind so that you know we take whatever that those metrics are and we kind of build them into the the dashboard. So that is built that configurability is built into our product. and uh, that's something that that we support today. So yeah
0: um, I think that's really yeah. important because I and mean, we see that the same thing on our side like you could say, well, within the lease, lease administration system, pretty much like, aren't they all the same and across the board? And obviously there's table stakes functionality that you need to pr- bring to market um, for your core user that is going yeah. to t- tie directly to the ROI that you're selling them. But every business is different. Like yeah. you, you have some franchise operators in, on your platform, right? They must have completely different like things that they look at than like a you know huge biotech company, for example.
1: Yeah, no, you're spot on. And again, this is the world that we've been living in for consumers for the last couple of decades. And now it's finally kind of start to be adopted the same mentality by the enterprise, you know, and, and it's something that a lot of those legacy systems, they'll tell you they enable, but they don't like at the end of the day, they really yeah. don't. And you know, this just as well as I do. <laughs> I do. I do think the interesting thing, you know, it might not be KPIs, but I will say that we do sign of, along with like what I've heard consistently on like how they're approaching return to office is, is the hybrid model we do kind of hear consistently like this, the same top three priorities for when people come back. And one is definitely, um, you know, space management. So kind of, kind of like a combination of utilization or, you know, desk booking. booking yeah, Like they, they need to figure that out now because they're trying to figure out how many people are coming in. Because well, that, directly, um,
0: that the, 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 directly informs the real estate decision.
1: Yeah, totally. And uh, how, they, how they, you know, build out the space whether you're talking about the size of the space they need or the desks or the services to support that. So that's kind of definitely one really hot area. The other is kind of, you know, right where we are, which is safety of employees. Safety, and resp- I keep using the word responsiveness, but what I mean is it's like, if, if somebody's only coming into the office once or twice, maybe three times a week, like the stakes are pretty high. It better be a good experience. So like, if I come in, I would have, just like I do as a consumer, instantaneous access to the, the services and systems within the building. So I want access to that. And I also want to feel safe. So if, if I see a cleaning issue, which is, you know, there's a heightened sensitivity around cleanliness now, but if I see something like that, I want to be able to report it, I want a response. So that's where kind of crowd comfort comes in. And then, you know, the, the third, I don't know what the third is. I said there was top three, and I'm blanking <laughs> on the third.
0: Uh, but those maybe, are the top yeah. two I'm definitely hearing right now. Yeah, no, I could see that. I mean, especially uh, imagine if you were a company and you leased uh, like a headquarters office for 10 years right before the pandemic. And now, you know, it's going to be on a good day, 40% occupied. Like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of stuff. That, I mean, it's, it's a great way to learn how people actually use the space when they're coming in uh, two, three days a week. But now yep. you've got all these uh, like cascading decisions you need to make based on that information. So, yeah.
1: I mean, again, I think the office is going to be back. It'll just be different. But it is it is interesting because... Right before the pandemic, you, you being a Boston guy, you know this, like all these suburban companies were like spending hundreds of millions of dollars on new offices yes, in building the seaport right yeah, outside exactly. my window here. Yeah. And uh, and then they, you know, then the pandemic, a lot of them have never been really used still, like at least not even more than like twenty to thirty percent occupancy. So I don't know, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's been a strange couple of years, as you know. And it's always funny talking to like you know, people who got hired. In, in in real estate facilities like two years ago <laughs> like their whole job has been planning and waiting for people to come back so i think we're finally at that moment which is good but yeah it's been a it's been a wild ride as you know
0: it certainly has um cool let's shift gears here and head to our uh fast five questions is there rapid okay. fire questions oh, no, uh, no, no, all no, right no, no, bring it on no you're gonna have to think on your toes here kevin oh boy um i give, give you a minute to each, uh, for each question. Uh, there's no wrong answers by the way. So if you want to pass, that's fine. We'll just dock the okay. point. All right, let's go. Uh, what is your favorite hobby?
1: Hobby, uh, skiing and hiking. I do too?
0: You, yeah. I mean, sometimes you All do right. them there it is anything the outdoors really,
1: but just get, get, out in the mountains, you know, yeah, you do them both in the same day. You've got it.
0: Cool. Um, well, segue question, where did you last go on vacation? Maybe, maybe it, it, it relates to your hobby.
1: It sure does. Uh, yeah, the last, you know, I like to, last family vacation was up in Vermont um, doing some skiing there. And then last personal vacation, I went out to Alta with a couple of friends and skied Utah for my first time. So that was, that was pretty cool.
0: Two birds and one stone there. Um, what is the best decision that you've ever made in your career?
1: Uh, probably, you know, to start, I'd say start crowd comfort, honestly. I got my MBA at Babson and I was working with my now co-founder at another company that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, but we were working there and we we're sitting you know, at our desk next to each other the whole time. And this idea came up and he's like, I'm, I want to go start it. And I had the option. I had an offer from the company at the time to join full time um, where I had this option to go work in my co-founder's attic for a couple of months <laughs> <laughs> and see what we could do with it. And so I'm glad I did that. And I, you know, I think it's worked out. Um, we've been fortunate to have a really great team, great product. you know, it looks like great timing here over the past couple of years. So.
0: Cool. Uh, this one's a little more, um, I don't know, philosophical, but what is, what is your one key to living a good life? Mm-hmm. Got um, episode based I'd say,
1: it. I'd say there's a lot of noise in our lives these days, a lot of distractions. I, I always like to just focus on, you know, what you can control. And uh, you know, not not kind of focus on other people or other companies. Just focus on your yourself, what you can improve, what you can control, and um, you know, don't get hung up on all these externalities that aren't important or that you have zero control over. So that's always kind of been my approach, and you know, it's worked out today.
0: Cool, wise words. All right, last last question: What's your go-to karaoke song?
1: I don't do a whole lot of karaoke. <laughs> formal karaoke anyway um i don't know I maybe 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 shallow little bradley cooper and you uh you know lady gaga wow
0: you must have some pipes if then. the if the yeah. time is right you know <laughs> yeah, i usually I, have i usually am
1: yeah. around a group who is uh you know uh picking up a lot of the vocals on that one
0: yeah you need some good backup on that one for sure
1: yeah well so you get to ask me the questions what are your five answers to that
0: oh wow Turning the tables on me. Well, let's see. <laughs> yeah. What was the first question? Uh, what are some of my hobbies? I'm not probably as outdoorsy as you, but I like to be active as well. Like in the summer yeah. months, I, I like to go ride my road bike. Uh, All right, there you go. Good, good exercise. You're outdoors. So that's I'll, I'll 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 bang that one in. Where did I last go on vacation? I I have two kids in first grade. Um, and, and they have a two-week long spring break. So we took one of the weeks and we went to Turks and Caicos. And Oof. Nice. nice. Yeah, I've never i you know, I've never been a big Caribbean vacation guy, but I
1: Uh-huh.
0: I'll do it again. <laughs> That's a
1: good place to do it, yeah.
0: Yeah. The best decision of my career, same. Um starting this company, Occupier. You know, I worked in corporate America and you know, for about 10 years plus. Yeah. And, you know, wasn't very happy just, you know, clocking in doing what I was doing every day and now it's like every day is like a gift to be able to work on something that you're so in, invested in
1: yeah i think you guys i mean you guys had the same approach we did which is just taking a modern approach to an old problem right yeah and not to go uh, off
0: topic too much but i was asked this i was a guest on a podcast recently that hasn't aired and it was by it was i was hosted by like a venture capitalist and i i had a disagreement with him because you know his thing was like well you know like unless you're doing something that's very disruptive like you're going to have a hard time like getting traction. And I'm like, no, nah, there's a lot of old problems to be solved out there that yeah, uh, you could just do it better than the people that are doing it and, and build from there. So that's the, my mentality and the same thing that you said. Yeah.
1: I mean, everyone's always saying like, well, what's your moat?" It's like I just customers that movie, love my product. Right? <laughs> like, I, yeah. And um, I mean, look at Zoom. I mean, Zoom didn't invent video conferencing, but like. I thought about own... that after
0: the fact. I should have used that yeah. example. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and all they do is just put a new interface on it with, you know, a, a better performance too. But um, I would have told you that market is saturated, you know, before Zoom came along and the timing worked out well for them too. But yeah, we're in the, uh, living in the Zoom world now for better or for worse.
0: We certainly are. Uh, right now we are. Um, yeah. What was the other question? The fourth question was, um, what's the key to giving a uh, living a good life? Uh, I, I think would say the same thing as you, maybe in a little bit different way. I think focusing on what you control is a really good way to put it. But I think it's almost like slowing down to speed up because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people um, think that they got to do more. They got to like fill their calendar every day, book meetings, book meetings, get stuff done. Um, and I've just learned, or at least over the last like two years, that has actually created a little bit too much like frenetic pace in my life and maybe to the detriment of other things. So I think if you slow down and you focus on what's important, not necessarily what you control, but just what's important, then you'll get to the same spot that you're you going yeah. to do anyways.
1: Yeah. It's a forcing function to kind of like figure out what those top three things you need to do this week are and then do them well. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think that's true. And I, again, I didn't mean to completely ignore all the noise around you, but you
0: know, no, you have to be aware be, of
1: it. Be, be aware of it, you're but really, at the end of the filter. day, it just feels like our culture, and especially in the startup world, everyone's just so distracted with, you know, these these Twitter fights or like what's happening in Miami or Austin or like, you know, and, and that just kind of feels like that's the whole world. But that's nothing at the end of the day. It's just like, you know, the. the, the Real stuff happens in the real world, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. You need a filter to filter out the the BS. Yeah. And, uh, top karaoke song. I, I have to give it some um thought because I'm. I'd be lying to you if I told you that I don't have a Spotify playlist of karaoke songs that when I hear uh-huh. one, I'll like save <laughs> to that playlist just so I can uh-huh. kind of remember that. Like if I'm ever in a karaoke situation. Yeah. I have, I have something on my phone that I could look up and say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this one. But
1: but nothing top of mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, nothing really top of mind. Um, I like Eddie Money's "Take Me Home Tonight." <laughs> nice. I'm usually that's a, that's a solid one. Yeah, I'm usually in the '80s um, category uh, from a karaoke perspective. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at the late Eddie Money. Nice.
1: Thanks for answering the questions. I thought I'd turn around, and put you in the hot seat. Here. I, I don't know. I, know, if anyone, I don't know yeah. if anyone's done that to you, but no. it no, can no, be lonely as the interviewer, you know always asking the questions but no one asks about you
0: yeah i know i'm just like the lonely host no one cares and for about all i know night. you might
1: edit this out so
0: i don't know maybe we'll feature it in its own episode <laughs> there you go oh kevin thanks for joining us man this has been great obviously uh, pumped to see your success and rooting for, uh, for you guys from the sidelines and got a lot of good stuff behind your, behind your sale um yeah for our, anybody that's listening here that would like to learn more about crowd comfort or just find you uh, personally, uh, how would they do that?
1: You know, Kevin at crowdcomfort.com. It's that's my email. So definitely uh, open to having these types of conversations. And uh, I appreciate you inviting me on here today. It was, uh, it was fun.
0: Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you and uh, good luck with everything.
1: All right, thanks, Matt. You too. Thanks, Kevin.